next week is Ash Wednesday and the start of the very important season of Lent. And so today on Let Me Be Frank, Bishop Caggiano is going to walk us through how to prepare for that uh, important season, how to prepare ourselves to begin Lent the right way with two feet on the ground, as he says. And it's by doing the three Ps, poverty, prayer, and penance. Find out what he means by that by listening to Let Me Be Frank. So don't touch that dial. We're on the radio at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM. And we're on the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app on your phone. To grab the app, go to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or go to veritascatholic.com. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. St. John Paul II told young people, the church needs your youthful ideas in order to make the gospel of life penetrate the fabric of society. So, Foundations in Faith is inviting all Diocese of Bridgeport parishes to apply for parish support grants from the St. John Paul II Fund for Religious Education and Faith Formation. The St. John Paul II Fund focuses on young people and their ideas to elevate and invigorate the faith formation experience. Applications are open now until April 1st. To learn more or to apply, visit www.foundationsinfaith.org. All right. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Caggiano. Steve, it's good to be with you. It's hard to believe it's the end of February, right? It, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I was just thinking, uh, I have to check the dates, but we either just passed or we're coming up on the two-year mark for this show, Excellency. Oh, my God, and we weren't canceled. What a miracle. <laughs> 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 oh gosh. See, and who says people are impatient? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, it's well, you know, and the truth is um and I I talk to people all the time um about this show and you I I'm so thankful that you're on the air here and so are so many people because to be able to uh, first of all, to learn from you, to hear from you on a regular basis as to what's going on in the church and the diocese, mm-hmm. but to learn from you spirituality mm-hmm. and the faith. And then I, I really think people, or I don't think, I've heard from people that they uh, so appreciate getting to know you. Yeah, well, you know, I must confess, as I've joked, it's... Um this gives you and me an opportunity to explore lots of stuff, have some great guests. We had Christopher West last week, was a tremendous interview, right? And I know he's coming yes. up to St. Mary's. Um, and I think it, and it also um, allows us to, you and I, to raise issues and questions that people should think about. Yeah. Right? A great conversation is not one that has all the questions answered, but also leaves questions for people to ponder. That's a great homily, right? Does that. And hopefully a podcast can do that too. Because some of the things we've talked about over these last couple of years really don't have easy answers. Right? And even what we're going to talk about today, which is trying to use this next week before Lent starts to be actually prepared for Lent, yes. is something that is, 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 is not really meant to say this is what you should do, but it's, these are the things you should think about. 
But think yeah. about them, right? And reflect yes. on them. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so then, um, how do we get started? So we're not there yet. Lent yet. Lent is, itself is a preparation, but right. you you make you make a great point. We need to prepare for the preparation. What what I doubt. See, Lent is my favorite season of the year. That says a lot about my psychology. <laughs> and it is because, by its very character, it is quieter. It is um, more focused. It's simpler, and therefore, it's a, a journey back to the basics. And I would be a liar if I said to you that many a time I find myself spinning out into the atmosphere with all the obligations, duties, responsibilities, events, everything going on. You know, we could get lost in so much of the details of life that we forget the basics, right? It happens to anybody. It's funny, even the Holy Father said that in his address to the participants at the symposium. He reflected on his, uh, I think it's 52 years of priesthood, and how he also had to call himself back all these years, moments of desolation, moments of, de- of, 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 for lack of a better word, like almost darkness, where the challenges seem to be so enormous, and then just getting lost in the busyness of life. So whether you're a priest, a bishop, a layperson, a deacon, a religious, whoever's listening to this podcast, we're all busy, aren't we? And Lent Amen. is the invitation to say, slow down and remember what's important. Now, we could do this one of two ways. You could do it the way I drive, which is you go from 65 to a stop in uh, like eight seconds and everybody in the car <laughs> comes flying over because, you know, it's like, boom, let's get. Or you gradually, which is the preferred method, gradually slow down until you get to where you need to be. So that's my suggestion. My first point is we have an opportunity for seven days to slow down the pace so that when Lent begins, you begin on day one, not on day eight, because you took the first seven days of Lent to slow down. You see my point? And the other thing I would like to suggest for everyone to consider, myself included, is don't be preoccupied with the apparent Focus in on the hidden, on the less obvious. Now you may say, what in the name of goodness does that mean? Hmm. And I'm glad you asked. (laughs) When you look at the spiritual life, most especially when we look at the life we need to seek conversion from our sinfulness, we spend an awful lot of time looking at the plant and not at the roots. We've talked about this before. I want to remind everyone, myself again, Lent is a time when you go into the garden of your life and not just trim the plants, but the ones that have got to go, you pull them out by the root. And sometimes the same root can manifest itself in different ways in your life. So we talk of the seven deadly sins, right? The insight there is there are some fundamental sins And I'm going to add to that fundamental attitudes that when you and I have it, if we don't get to them, we're only tinkering with the sins that are the result of the larger problem we have. And Lent is meant to say, look at the larger issues at hand. Now, a busy person 
doesn't have the mind or the time to deal with the root. They deal with the apparent. But when you look at the root, you need the time, you need the space, you need the silence, you need the reflection, and quite frankly, sometimes you need the help to look at the root. But once you say, okay, there's a root here. And now all these things make sense to me. Then that's purpose of Lent. And then Lent gives you the tools to start digging it out. And again, sometimes it's going to take more than 40 days. It may take you five years to totally root it out. But at least you're in the right place. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, so then my question would be for people who are um, super busy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, find it difficult to find, let's say, half an hour every day to sit in silence because mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have, uh, so, uh, so let's say for me, um, which I do have time, half an hour to just sit in silence, thanks be to God. But uh, it, let's say my wife, who loves me very much, and she's wise and I trust her implicitly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If she saw something in me, I mean, I need to make myself open to um, Listen hearing. To what she, yes, that's that's very exactly. difficult to do. Exactly, especially from the people who love you dearly, because there's a reticence to say it at times because you're afraid you'll offend the person. They will not hear it the way you mean it, mm-hmm. which is really out of love. And there's a reticence to hear it because then th- there's responsibility attached to that, mm-hmm. right? You know, what's, that, that is a, a dynamic among spouses, among friends, that many times is not used, and in Lent it needs to be used because we get to heaven together, even though it's an individual journey. Right? So I think, so what's the overall goal? What am I asking us, myself included, what are we preparing for? We're preparing to be able to use Lent in such a way so that we can get to the roots in our spiritual relationship with God that need healing, attention, or quite frankly, eradication, right? The things that we we just have to let go of. And so here, this is not, I'm not gonna give you 14 techniques on what to do and all, no, no. But I will tell you this, I'll give one advice, and I've joked about it, but it would be foolish for any of us, myself included, to suggest that if you really have all of these demands, that you could set some of them aside to have this quality time in silence and prayer, when at the end of the day, you still have to get the things done. There are some aspects of our lives that are negotiable because we've chosen to add to the things that we are responsible. But most of us are responsible for a lot. Okay, so you can't tell your kids, "Hang out in a half hour. I'll be back. I'm gonna go have. I'm gonna go do meditation." Right. right? Now maybe you. Maybe there are people who can do that. I cannot do that because my mind yeah. would be, "What are these kids doing? <laughs> what are <laughs> <Yeah>. they up to? <laughs> Am I off base?" <laughs> right? No, no, that's right. <laughs> and then most people, by the time they get to bed, are exhausted, or in the morning. Yes. They wake up exhausted because, so, so let's be realistic. So this is one practical advice I'm going to suggest is try to baptize 
time that you have to do, uh, activities you have to do, but you could do in a different way. I'll give you two examples. When you're driving your car, or even when you're exercising, those are times when you can learn to zone out, turn off the radio, and, and commune with God. I'm not saying don't drive with attention. Of course you're going to drive. But most of us <laughs> are so familiar with what we do that you, there's a part of you that can be entertaining the thoughts, the reflection, that makes the drive really a quiet time rather than listening to the radio or the news or anything else. Do you see what I mean? We have to yes. drive to get to where we're going. Why not use it for a different purpose? Yes. And same thing like in a treadmill. A lot of people use, I don't, because that's purgatory for me. We've already talked about that many times. That's purgatory for me, 100 million years on the treadmill. Oh, please, if that's not an incentive not to sin, I don't know what is. But... but but, but if people who do it are on the, the bicycle or whatever, it's what a great time to zone out, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. So just for starters, could you say, all right, I'm, go- I'm going to spend the first half hour on the treadmill and I'm just going to pray. And we're going to talk about what that could look like, pray. And if people want to socialize, say, sorry, or just get headphones and say, no can speak. <laughs> 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 right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to suggest three things. I call it the three P's, all right, in the spiritual toolbox that I want our listeners to give some time reflecting on. And I promise I will do the same. The three P's are prayer, penance, and poverty. And let's start with poverty. Because poverty may sound like a very odd thing to to talk about. In fact, what I'm really referring to, because I needed three Ps, but I'm really referring to another way of saying that it's uh, simplicity of life. Hmm. So, okay. So let's go back to the busyness and all the things we're involved with and all the things that we are attached to. One of the ways you and I can gauge how attached we are is if we go through withdrawal and see how we react. A perfect example is the difficult time young people have when they go to those schools that do not allow them use of their cell phones except for emergencies or uh, are in, um, you know, like for example, uh, the martial arts courses or where they're disciplined and therefore all that stuff is left behind. You got to leave it at the door, this, turn it off. So, some young people, some old people, some middle-aged people, yes, yeah, turn it off, yeah, no problem. And then there are others who, what are they doing? As they're doing what they're doing, they're thinking maybe somebody's calling or... Am I right or wrong? Yeah. yeah That's the gauge exactly. if you withdraw of how attached you are. Because we, I've said before, I'll say it again. I'll say it till I die. Attachments are a spiritual problem when your possessions possess you. 
not that you possess your possessions. And your possessions can be your physical things, your personal things, even your spiritual, quote unquote, things. So I'll give you another question, another thing to think about, right? We all live try fairly comfortably. And we do things in a way where um, at the end, of, let's say, of a long day, you just want to just kind of relax and just reward yourself for having survived the day. <laughs> so we all do that in different ways. So the question is, um, can you step away from that for a while in Lent, if for no other reason, but to be grateful when you go back to do it again, mm -hmm. to develop a deeper sense of gratitude that I, at the end of the day, have a, a small half a glass of red wine to relax. Well, do I recognize that's a blessing from God? Do I recognize that that's a gift? So I don't do it for a while. That's the abstinence piece. I go back, I, I welcome it in a different way. See, so when we talk about simplicity of life, it can be, you can really explore this in so many different ways. But it's to the greater purpose of freeing up your attention and energy for something else. So what possessions possess you? That's the question. I'll give you another example. When we talk about the personal things, c'è una bella parola in italiano, è la figura. This is a great word in Italian, and it's called la figura. And la figura is the appearance you have to the world. There are people who have been killed because they had a brutta figura or a bad appearance, particularly in, in generations past because your whole family was maligned because of your bad example. Okay, now reputation is very important. Reputation is our possession that God gives us. We have a right to a good reputation and no one should do anything to harm our reputation when it is either false information or information that may be true that no one has the right to know. You don't have the right to reveal something about someone else, even if it's true, without permission to do that. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is I'm going to stand before someone and I'm going to tell the truth and I'm running the risk that my, my figura, my appearance to that person may suffer because I, so is, is my reputation possess me to hold my tongue? If it does, then we have work to do. So Lent is an opportunity to explore the first P. Right? What are the things in my life that I can get rid of and not miss and simplify my life <clears throat> so I can keep my attention on the things that really matter. <clears throat> and what are the things in my life that I would have trouble giving up for Christ? And if you and I <clears throat> can identify what some of those are, then we could start asking the question, why can't I? 
what's at the root of my hesitancy to let go of this. <clears throat> so for example, if I, just an example, if I am so concerned about my reputation <clears throat> that I will not speak the truth <clears throat> when I have the opportunity to do so, when it's unavoidable to do so, then is that pride that's animating that attachment? I, I don't know what the answer may be for you or, or I or whoever it is that's listening, but the exercise is not just to say, okay, I'm going to go do it, but you have to go deeper and say, well, what was my reluctance in the first place? Because Lord, I need to know what that is and I need your grace to get rid of it. Yeah. So I just don't do it in Lent. I do it the rest of my life that I'm able to stand firm in the faith. And if I have to sacrifice what a person thinks of me, I will gladly do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that is one I think that afflicts everybody and mm-hmm. warrants, I mean, it's worth really thinking about how this affects me because... Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, and, and therefore, why it afflicts me? Because the truth is, for me, it may be cowardice. For you, it may be pride. For someone else, it may be laziness. But it may be a different route. But it all looks the same on the outside. Yeah, right. So that's what Lent is. So that's the first P. So how do you do that? You need to think it through. But I think that the initial would be to say, in Lent, what can I set aside for 40 days and not do? Just to make my life simpler. And then the things that I do do, reflect on them. What if the Lord appeared and said, you can't have this anymore? What would my reaction be? If the Lord said, give up your reputation, what, do you, what, what, what would I say to him? Lord, you gotta be kidding me. Hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big business person. I mean, I, my reputation is my life. And Jesus said, well, I ransomed your life. Right? Yeah. So you got the point there. Okay. Yes. And blessed are you when people persecute you for his sake. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. The second question, the second P is prayer. Let's start a bit now, and after the break, we could could explore it some more, right? When I say the word prayer, Steve, what do you think of? Off the top of your head. Yeah, I think of um, uh, silence as you said, and just spending, spending time. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I believe it was John Vianney who said, you know, in adoration, I look at him and he looks at me. That's the first thing that comes to my head. Silence. So a person may say, Steve, that's great. But in my crazy house, at my crazy job, and everything I'm involved with, I'm not sure how I could do that. So what would your response be? Let's say a friend said that to you. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would go back to what you said about taking the the time, you know, when you're exercising or walking or driving, you know, to try and intentionally um, put yourself in the presence of the Lord there. But, you know, in in the absence, not in the absence, but in addition to that, you know, prayer is helpful when you're saying, you know, actual prayers that have been written out. So a few times a week, I wish it was every night, but we don't do it every night, but a few times a week, my family, we sit down and we pray the rosary together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not silence, but that's prayer and mm-hmm. meaningful, at least for us. Right. See, I would think the three things I would want are people 
who are listening and you and I to reflect on are three things under prayer. Conditions, method, and goal. And to take a look at Lent and do a hard examination of my prayer life, quote unquote, by looking at the conditions, the method, and the goal. So let's go backwards, right? What's the goal? What is the goal of prayer? It's to deepen my loving relationship with the Lord. In a beautiful way, it's the communication that should exist between a husband and wife. Some of it is words, some of it is gesture, some of it is simple presence, right? Where there is true love, you intuit and you don't have to say or do anything. The great mystics in their prayer oftentimes trailed off into say nothing for hours, but they were communicating with Christ because their goal was the relationship with Christ. So the first thing we could do in Lent is say, in my prayer life, for whatever extent it exists, what am I... What am I aiming for? What do I have now? What do I want to have that I don't have? Where is the, do I feel, sense the presence of Christ? Can I look back on the past years and see that my knowledge and love and commitment and and intuition of Christ has grown or stayed the same or diminished or there isn't one anymore? Whatever it is. That's the goal of whether you are prayerful, saying prayers, whether they're traditional prayers, whether you make up the prayers, whether you sit in silence, that's ultimately what we're talking about. And if Lent were for us just a meditation every day on that question, that could be a life-changing experience. Because in the end, if we were to end Lent and say, Lord, I've spent 63 years of my life saying prayers every day, and I'm not sure I know you. What a humble, beautiful beginning of the Lord whispering back, then let me show you. And let's start by you stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And someone else can say, Lord, I sense your presence, but I want to go deeper. I'm 63 years old and I, 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 I... I want more. But that becomes conditions and methods that we could talk about. You see? So Lent is that time to use that second P. And then we could talk about the rest we come back. Yes. Let's take a break. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano. We're talking about Lent and preparing for Lent. And we'll be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that 
they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano. His Excellency is helping us prepare for the important season of Lent, which starts next week. Mm-hmm. So, Excellency, you were talking about prayer as we went to yeah, the Yeah, so let's talk about conditions and methods, all right? Yes. So th- th- we could basically talk about these together. But again, Lent would be a great time for testing. So for those of us who have a very developed prayer life by using the method of saying prayers, whether you are a cleric or myself as a bishop, who will pray the office, like... Office of readings, morning prayer, compline, evening prayer, right, night prayer. There are a lot of words. It's a lot of reading, right? There's a lot. Um, and for those or who may pray the rosary like you do, or other prayers, right? Mm-hmm. And test yourself by sitting in extended silence before you say a word. And, and note how you feel. to your point about silence. Because silence is an essential part of prayer life. Because silence is when the Lord speaks back. Just like you said for St. John Vianney. He can speak to us while we're speaking to him, but we have a greater opportunity to listen and hear it when we're not speaking than when we are speaking. And there are some people who will, could love to sit in silence. And there are others who avoid it like the plague but they still want a prayer life and they still may be very active in the things they do. So Lent may be the opportunity to try the opposite and just sit in silence. And if you're uncomfortable, if you become anxious, ask yourself the question, why? Because there may be a spiritual root, it could even be a psychological root there, but let's say there's a spiritual root there that you want to identify what that is. Because prayer cannot fully develop without that as a condition, like you said so rightly before, the silence piece. The other piece to this puzzle is if you want to have, you want to develop this relationship with the Lord and have a prayerful relationship with Him, then we have to overcome the distractions of our lives when we enter into this period. And there are techniques that can be learned to do that. And we don't have to go through them now. I mean, we can talk about that maybe in another po- podcast. But, it, but if listeners are having trouble, trouble with distractions, let us know. Write it in. 
Send it in yeah. because we can yeah. talk about it, right? But but again, the distractions, you, you, it's not so much that we have them, but why do we have them? Why do, we, why do they have such an influence in our lives? Why do we feel so consumed about the things we're going to do for the rest of the day that we can't lay them aside for even a few minutes before the Lord? Again, I'm going to repeat this word over and over again. Why do we find ourselves in this place? Is actually more important than recognizing we are in the place. And maybe Lent is that this Lent, above all others, will be the time we'll ask the simpler but harder questions. Right? Now, I could tell you not to, I'm not going to give my confession over, over a podcast, but I could tell you that I battle distraction a lot in prayer because I find it very difficult to let go. And I find it difficult to let go because if I were brutally honest, part of it is pride. Part of it is to think, I have to do this. And a part of me thinks, well, because you're going to do it well. Well, who said I'm going to do it better than anybody else? <laughs> right? But a part of me wants to believe that. And that's the temptation to pride. So I'm not going to address my distractions in prayer until I recognize the fact that the world doesn't revolve around me. I'm not the person who always does it best. And quite frankly, give it over to Jesus who can do it without me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I've only come to realize that in the last couple of years because I've been battling distraction in prayer. Gosh, it's for... And, and it ebbs and flows... And I find that, for example, in the summertime, it's not really a problem because the pace of work is slowed down. Hmm. And then I finally realized, well, it's you. I mean, it's your attachment to your work and, and you accomplishing it is the issue here. Yeah, I used to say it's the devil. Yeah, yeah, because the devil is using pride, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's the sort of thing I think our listeners could spend some time and, and, and uh, you know, up to this point, a person may be saying, well, Bishop, what you're suggesting as preparation for Lent, right, uh, is, um, and, and, the, and the task to do in Lent seems uh, not like the traditional program that the, you know, that the church always speaks about, you know, with prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And I guess my response to that would be, we do need to do prayer and fasting and almsgiving. But... Some point, some point in our lives, we have to use Lent and even Easter following to go so much deeper so that those three activities are on a rock-solid foundation spiritually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'd like to take the opportunity to ask you, because um, uh, I just thought of it, but for me, when I go to adoration, the first five minutes, I am just flooded with all kinds of thoughts and ideas and, oh, I forgot I have to do this and, oh, I want to say this to somebody. What I started doing was I take a little notebook in with me and the first five minutes, I'll just write those things down and then I kind of can relax. You're nodding your head, so I guess that's okay for me to do. <laughs> I do the same thing now. Okay. I do the same thing. I'm crazy enough when I wake up in the morning I have a list already in my head. Isn't that scary? That's so scary. 
Yeah, it's scary. I'm thinking about myself. What type of sleep was that? Yeah. Oh, I see your little. I can see your little. Yeah. yeah, your notebook. Here it is. Yeah. It was like these times in school. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I have those um, memo things next to my bed, and I, as soon as I wake up, write it out. Yeah, that's a technique, right? So that's method. That's techniques. It's a perfect way, right, to okay. extract it. And, and I think for many people. They could be, it, it could be simply a very benign, natural preoccupation, which is great. There are some people, I think myself included, where that distraction in prayer is invited in part because there is a deeper root going on that has to be addressed. And I'm not, I don't think I'm the only one who's in that yeah. camp. Sure, yeah. Right? So that's part of what we're talking about, right? So then, and then the method, I think, is just a question of just reminding ourselves that prayer, prayers, and prayerfulness are not the same thing. So prayer is the communication, is the relationship that's communicative with the Lord. Prayers are the written, formal, and informal way we speak to him. And prayerfulness is the condition by which we could recognize his presence everywhere, at every time, in every moment. And in prayerfulness, we allow him to speak to us. And all three makes the minestrone that gets you to heaven, right? All three <laughs> is what's needed, all right, to feed the spirit. Yes. Right? Okay, yeah. now let's go to the last P. It's your favorite. Yes. Okay, penance. penance. <laughs> Talk to me about penance. Oh, yeah, I love doing penance. It's, uh... <laughs> no, but well, it's... first of all, I'm writing notes here. Why do you need to do so much penance? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you... <laughs> one of the things, uh, <laughs> Excellency, that um, I, I think penance... In all seriousness, I think it's so important because um, it makes you stronger. And especially if you do like a preemptive penance, and I'm not talking about punishing yourself, but, you know, small sacrifices and mortifications when they're not necessary because that makes you stronger for when you actually have to do battle. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I think penance in the end, my friend, is an essential element of Christian life because penance allows us to believe in the unconditional love of God. Or to put it another way, it's the third P, particularly in Lent, because Lent is all about the period of purification and conversion so we can come to the Paschal mystery ready to receive the graces that come from the Lord's death and resurrection, including the font of graces that comes through our baptism, which Faustina said literally was born out of the side of his, of his pierced heart on the cross. We do not come to the Lord as equals. Penance is the recognition that I have done some terrible things, I have committed sins, and God still loves me. And when I face that sinfulness and recognize that the Lord is willing to forgive me, then God's love is real for me, 
and penance that flows from that is my desire to make up for the harm that I have created and to in some way, shape, or form love the Lord back with a humble, contrite heart. Now, if, if a Christian doesn't do that, what in the name of goodness does the death and resurrection of Jesus mean? So the third P is where it gets really interesting. Because Lent is designed to force ourselves to sit in front of a mirror and ask over and over and over again, where have I sinned? Where have I deliberately, consciously betrayed the Lord and my neighbor? And by doing both or either betraying myself, where have I done that? And my suggestion here, again, which may be somewhat difficult to ask, is don't stop at the obvious. Go to the roots. So if you remember, remember that koinonia exercise about all your blessings and you cut them in half and cut them in half? Yes. Okay. So to prepare for Lent and to go into Lent with the disposition that you continue to do this, what about if you and I and our listeners sat down and wrote all our faults, failings, and sins? How many pages would that be? I wonder. And when you stop, keep going. Hmm. Not because you're trying to find sins that don't exist, but what, what we're hoping to do is make a list complete enough that you could arrange them into families. Because there may be many sins that you and I commit that have the common root. So it's not to ignore your sins, but if you get the root, all the other sins will slowly disappear. But you gotta have a complete list and then start connecting the dots and say, okay, yeah. why am I uncharitable with my neighbor? And why am I not patient with my wife? And why am I um, overly cross with my children? And why do I not wanna give the time of day to that coworker? And I'm not exactly sure why he rubs me the wrong way, but he does, so I don't give him the time of day. And now, so those are all sinful attitudes or behaviors. But you say, but are they connected? Right? Yeah. So I'm going to challenge everyone on this call in a place where no one else will see. But find, find some time to just write it all out. Yeah. And see what you come up with. That's a humbling exercise, don't you think? Yeah. My... Uh my wrist would end up hurting from writing so much. <laughs> but, I mean... It, but, ch but chances are, my friend, um, the, the, the sins that you have committed as the sins that I have committed, um, there's not all that many roots. Yes, yep. But we gotta get to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. You know, we went from a scrupulous church to a permissive church, in the sense that when I was a little kid, I remember the examination of conscience, my goodness, even as a little boy, it was like five pages long. <laughs> hmm. And then it became a permissive church, not in the sense that we condone sin, but because the examination became, you know, almost a generic one. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. 
The truth is you have to get very specific to see the patterns. The patterns are what are important. Once you see the patterns, you could see at some of the basic roots. When you see at the basic roots, then there are basic solutions. But the basic solutions don't work until you apply them to the right roots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gosh. So, um, so as people go to confession or back to confession, um, uh, and they they make it. Let's say let's say there's somebody listening who hasn't been to confession in years, and they say, you know what? I heard uh, Bishop Frank talk, and now I I want to go back. Um, how can they make a good uh, uh, spiritual examination of conscience? How can and how long do you think they should take on that examination? I know there's no hard and fast rule, but maybe some gu- guidelines for them because I wouldn't want someone to say, "Gosh, I'm going to have to sit there for an hour trying to think of all my sins." So forget it; right. it's just not worth it. Right, right. I, uh, again, my my response is: if a person has not gone to confession for a very long time and they want to come, my reaction is: come. Come. While the inspiration is there, come. Because it's not the only time you're going to come. You're going to keep coming. That's the goal. So let's get the process going. Let, let the healing touch of Christ move you, right? And then come back. Yeah. Ideally, a person would be able to have someone to work with to try to identify, again, both the specifics and the roots. Right? Because confession is really meant to be an encounter of merciful love that, that meets a contrite heart. It's not meant to bludgeon somebody right, into discouragement when you look at yourself and say, my God, I'm hopeless. It's been 40 years. This is hopeless. It's not hopeless. Right? So, I mean, the ideal, if a person could meet a priest and speak with him um, about his experience and then enter into confession, either at that time or a different time, then he or she would be able to have a more fruitful confession. But listen, if you haven't run, if you were a runner when you were a teenager and haven't run in 40 years, what do you think you're going to do when you start to run? Yeah, right. Right? I I would be, I congratulate myself if I didn't have a heart attack. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're going to get back into shape. So that would be my suggestion. But for those who, but, but see, I, I'm concerned about the other one, the, other, the opposite extreme, that the person who may come every week and confess the exact same sins every single week. And for that person with great intentions has to ask themselves, but um, is there something else I'm missing here? <laughs> because I'm trying, but I just can't do this. Because then it, you're not applying the, the medicine to the right place. Yeah. And I think a good confessor would actually challenge a person who comes with the same sins over and over again and say, you know, maybe outside of confession, come see me. Let's talk about it because you're a good person and you need peace of mind and heart and you need to be able to get these sins and just and cast them aside. And, and so there's, there's something missing and let's figure out what that is. Yeah. Right. Yes. But but yeah. but penance. But penance. So there's penance and confession, and then there's the penitential acts of sacrifice in Lent. So what are you giving up, Steve? Do you know yet? Oh gosh, I haven't. 
I'm sad to say I have not thought about that yet. Okay, I caught you off guard. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I will give something up for sure. <laughs> yeah, I want to give up, like, I want to give up some of my, you know, my less attractive attitudes or behaviors. So can a person imagine that you're going to give up being impatient with my mother? Or give up uh, not calling my um, sick relative um, on a regular basis? Or I'm going to give up uh, using foul language? It's tremendous, right? So we could give up candy and give up all the rest, that's fine, right? Provided that you use the money that you that you would have bought to give to the poor, it's not just a question of getting skinny. Lent, <laughs> I mean, you got to do give it up. But I would I would think that for us in the seven days we have left before Lent starts, is what are the sinful attitudes, um, or the less attractive behaviors, or just the discourteous ways we could act and give those up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love that, Excellency, because um, the truth is you should leave Lent on Easter Sunday changed as a changed person from when you entered Lent, right? Not, and not mm-hmm. just skinnier, like you said. Right, right. Although I would welcome that, but that's another story. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is, uh, so uh, let's uh, say, uh, oh, yes. Changed, changed, but not finished. So a person listening to this should not be discouraged to say, well, I can have my complete spiritual act together in 40 plus six days, in 46 days. No, no, no. But, but, but Lent puts you on the right path. East gives you the grace, and you have a whole lifetime then to get to the, finish, to, to, to the promised land, to the finish line. So, yeah, exactly. You're changed, but not finished. I wanted to just mention that, too. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess the other, the only other thing I was going to say was like, let's say, um, for me, I give up um, yelling at my kids. Uh, ah. Then, and then, uh, three days into Lent, here I go. I find myself yelling at one of my kids. Um, that's okay, right, Excellency? I'll just recognize it and I'll say, you know, okay, I got it. Uh, double down on the effort now. Right. Uh, uh, the only thing I was. Oh, no, exactly. Do not give up. A hundred and one percent. I agree. And also what I'm going to suggest for this Lent, I would want you or me or anyone who finds themselves in that situation to then find a little bit of time to ask myself, why did I do it again? Hmm. Yeah. Right. What, but what, what, what is it in me that just gives me this short fuse with my kids? <laughs> Or whatever else it may be. Or if yeah. a lot of people use foul language. And I'm always told, you know, is that sinful? Well, it's discourteous. It's impolite. And it's sinful, certainly very sinful, when it offends the Lord directly. Mm-hmm. Or when it offends your neighbor. Right? So it's a habit. So you got to break the habit. I guess my question is... Why did you develop the habit in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. So, 
so penance, I think, and I'm going to suggest too that penance is sacrificing um, probably one of our greatest possessions, and that is our time, going back to the beginning of our conversation. So almost every parish I know of has Stations of the Cross on Fridays. Why would we not sacrifice what we would normally do in that time on a Friday and go spend it and walk with Jesus in his passion and death so that when you do it on Good Friday, you've done it already seven or eight times and now suddenly you have a deeper understanding, an intuition of the mystery of what is before us. That's penance. Yeah. Right? If we're so busy, then maybe one of our greatest possessions that we have of ourselves is time. Hmm. Yep. Sacrifice it to the Lord. Anyway, I mean, the bottom Amen. line is this. Bottom line is, for, for all of us, we have seven days to prepare ourselves to start Lent in such a way that we hit the floor with both feet. And therefore... Poverty or simplicity of life, prayer and penance are the three things I would suggest we all look at one at a time in these seven days and ask ourselves, are the things we can detach from? Are the things we need to give up? Is there a way for me to, to consciously address my relationship with the Lord in prayer? And when I look at these things, ask myself up to this point, if there are attitudes or roots that have prevented me from doing this before, Lord, by doing them, help me to see what those are so I can work on the roots. And then there'll be no weeds in the garden of our life. Amen. Awesome. Okay, we'll take one final break uh, for today and come back on the other side with a listener question. You're listening to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, uh, here's uh, this week's question that came in. It says, Bishop Caggiano, I saw in the news last week that a priest used the wrong words to baptize thousands of people, and now those people are not actually baptized. Can you please explain what happened? It seems to me to be just a quibble over semantics, I versus we. Also, what steps do those people have to take now to make it right? Well, you know, it, that, that's a great question because it almost on the surface says, well, what is the big deal? Well, the big deal is the affirmation of the agent. Okay, so for example, in confession, what does the priest say? I absolve you of your sins. He doesn't say, we absolve you of your sins because mm -hmm. the I is persona Christi. The we is those of us who form the body, the church. So in the end, the difficulty with saying we baptize you is that the church doesn't baptize you into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus baptizes you into the death and resurrection of Jesus through the ministry of the priest. So it seems small, but it is a big deal. Yeah. Now, what do these people have to do? The truth be told, they have to have their sacraments re-administered. Baptism, confirmation. It's a big deal. Yeah. Now, there may be another remedy that I'm not aware of, 
But if you don't start with a valid baptism, everything else is invalid. That is why there's a huge responsibility for priests and deacons to do and pray the way they're supposed to in the sacraments. Whether it's the words of consecration, whether it's the words of absolution, whether it's the words of, of um, baptism, whether it's the formula for confirmation, right? Read what's in front of you. As <laughs> simple as that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because otherwise you do real harm to people's lives, like all of these people. And again, you know, person may say it was my good intention. Well, I'm too old to hear that. Stop with the good intentions. Do what you're supposed to do because real people get hurt. But in the end, the answer to the question is, it's Christ who baptizes. And the priest is doing it in persona Christi, not the church. Awesome. Okay, if you're listening and you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in to us on social media or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we would like to thank Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport and you can learn more about their outstanding work on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Excellency, thank you for helping us prepare for Lent. And uh, I'd ask if you could please give us your blessing. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, shine his face upon you, and grant you his mercy and peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I will see you on Ash Wednesday, my friend. Wow. Yes. It's the beginning. My favorite (laughs) time of the year. Great. I will see you then. (laughs) Thanks, Excellency.